Hallelujah. Just stay standing for a moment. I'm going to ask Pastor Anita to come up and and just let, let's pray for our nation, right? Let's pray for our, how, many, how many think that's a good uh, a good thing to do? We want to see um, just just God move, and there's so much going on in in the nation. And again, we're just praying again for the generations to come. And uh, these are uh, significant times for us as a nation. And so, uh, why don't you lift up your hands? And uh, I'm just going to hold the mic, and he's going to pray the fire. Come on. Thank you. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You change it not. And God, you've never failed us, and you will not fail. Father, we lift up New Zealand to you. We thank you for this beautiful nation, God. God, we lift up this whole country and its people into your hands. And Father, we pray that your blood would cover every home. Every home, we pray the blood of Jesus. Father, we pray for the beehive, we pray for the Prime Minister, and we pray for all those who are making decisions, doctors and all those officials. Lord, we pray nothing will move without your command. Nothing will move without your word. Father, we pray as they meet on Tuesday that Holy Spirit, you would hover over the parliament. You would hover. God, we pray for those who are making decisions, even the night before, that you would appear in their dreams and visions. Father, we pray you come with conviction and strong mind. Your wind would blow over this nation. Salvation and healing. All those who are sick, we pray for people who suffer with mental illness. God, we pray that you would, the Prince of Peace would come in every room, in every home and bring healing, healing and deliverance. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, may it be said of us that we did the right thing. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, give Jesus some more praise in the house. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look amazing today. It's so good to be seated next to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I want to start off with some good news in the crazy world that we uh, live in. And, you know, a, a few months ago we did the, I mean, can you believe the year is like, it's November? I mean, it just feels like February, November, here we are. And it's just gone very uh, quick. But, uh, but uh, when, when, when we did our miracle offering, we talked about the fact that we want to really uh, uh, bless Tanikau, uh, the ministry of Tanikau. And one of the things we want, we've been partnering with them for, I don't know, more than 20, 20 years, I think, and uh, doing that Freedom Life uh, Ministries. They are doing a fantastic uh, work up there at Tanikau. And, uh, you know, what, what do they do? We, they, they, they help people who are walk, working through addiction issues. They, they look beyond the addiction to see people. We, we look beyond addiction to address the reason. We look beyond addiction to uh, uh, see free and fruitful lives. How many think that is a good and worthy cause uh, to support? And so they are doing an amazing, uh, uh, amazing work. And we as a church, um, when we did the miracle offering, I, I, I said, one of the things I want to do, I, I, I said it, it came out, and I want to do it. We want to help them. They need a new mini uh, minibus, right? So they need a new minibus uh, to get the, uh, their, their team down. And the present van that they have, we gave them one of our uh, um, 
Connect uh, Kids uh, vans a while back. That's only a little little van. Their actual van that they have. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it driving to the car park. It doesn't have any wheels on. It's just on the rims. I mean, that's bad. I'm just telling you, it's not quite that bad because it needs a warrant. But the, the, it, it's bad, right? And so we want to be able to help them do that. And so I can say uh, this week that the trustees uh, met and we want to make that happen. And so we've initially set aside a figure of $25,000 that we want to start to begin that. uh, uh, Wait, that's not all. But... uh, but we'll begin that journey. If you ask how much do we need, uh, we need probably about 50 grand. And so to be able to buy a bar, but they are expensive. Let me tell you, but we're working on it. But I can tell you in the course of this uh, this week, and I see Jared there, can you give me a deal on a Ford Transit? Just had to let me know. <laughs> but... But it'll be cash. It'll be cash. But, but, but again, even in the course of the week, someone else heard about, uh, heard about that, and they heard about it because I asked them. And... Uh, <laughs> They heard about it, but they've donated a further $5,000. So we're already up to, come on, already up to 30 grand, already up to 30 grand. What else can you do? What else can you do? And if you feel the Lord is speaking to you, show me the money. Come on, man. let's, let's, Let's be able to buy them. How many think that's a good cause? Can we put our hands together? I don't know where Peter and Mary are, where they come to the next one. Very noble cause. If you're online and you want to help towards that, come on. I don't know. We may do an offering or something towards it, but we'll, we'll see, uh, uh, see how we go. Can we put our hands together for all the fabulous Peter and Mary and all they do at Tanikiao? And we want to help make that. We want to help make that happen. Of course, you've been hearing about this building for a number of weeks. You've been hearing about this building. You're like, does this even exist? It exists. All right, and tonight it leaves Auckland. It leaves the land of lockdown, and it's heading down. But if you don't believe me, here are some photos of the inside of the building taken up in Auckland. So there it is, sitting in the uh, yard, and uh, it's a big. It's actually quite a big space. Go to the next one. Just flick them through, uh, uh, Kenneth. There. So it's a, a big space. It's got a kitchen. It's got different rooms and things there. You can't see the rooms here, but this is just the main uh, uh, space. But that is on its way down from Auckland tonight. Somebody say hallelujah. About about time. So, and of course, we've got all the joists. So I think that was explained. So we all rejoiced in the Lord. Come on, somebody. It's good. It's good. It's good. So, how are you? Are you okay? Okay. I mean, people are going through all kinds of stuff at the moment, and uh, I just, I think it's an important question question to ask, not just just here, but 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 the people that you meet. How are you? Are you uh, okay? I don't know about for me. Maybe maybe. Maybe you're struggling, maybe you're struggling with all that's happening and all the stuff going on, and I, I just want to say you're not alone. Me too. Me too. These, these are difficult days to figure out and difficult days to process and difficult days to uh, kind of walk in. I, I, I did a, uh, or led a Zoom meeting this week with, uh, across our New Life uh, churches, and so I had 50 pastors from around the nation uh, on that uh, Zoom call. All were searching for uh, for answers, all were searching for clarity in this time that we live. And when I when it came to the end, it was a one and a half hour Zoom call, so there's lots of questions. It was sort of a Q and A. It was a Zoom webinar. It's the first time we've we've, we've done that. But I think they found it. Well, I think they did, found it very very helpful. But towards the end, I was able to encourage them with a message I did here a couple of weeks ago. You're in His grip. I need to remind the pastors. You're in His grip. You're in his grip, and the God does not change, even though everything's changing around us. God does not change. As the leader has already said, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I say, I pray that pastors were encouraged with, with that. So uh, today, you know, if, if, if it's okay, if it's okay uh, with you, it's, 
Actually, it's going to have to be okay because I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> if you say it's not okay, we can't do it. But today, if it's okay, I just want to talk about my life as a leader in this current environment. Uh, the things I'm having to wrestle with in these days, theologically, ethically, and morally. And I'm not sure if it'll help you. I hope it does. It'll certainly help me. So if you can uh, just give me that. It'll just certainly help me in the middle of... Uh, so last week, Anita and I had the honor and privilege of uh, leading a transitional service where a church is uh, handed, and, and, and pardon me if I haven't done the welcome, welcome to those online. I don't do the welcome because we're all registered. We know sort of who's here in any way, and if you are visiting, welcome. Amen. Hallelujah. If you can get in through the hundred, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what it feels like, right? So, uh, so but, but, but I, I just want to say we had the privilege and honor of leading a transitional service where a church is handed over to a new and upcoming uh, pastors. The church was Peak Vision, if you remember our conference a few years ago, in Havelock North, that was the church. It's a big church, has, uh, I think, one of the best church facilities they've built there in the country, uh, uh, certainly in recent, uh, recent times. And uh, I've led a lot of these services over the years in my role as the leader of the New Life Churches of New Zealand. I've led many of these uh, uh, services. And you've got to know, basically, I do the same message every time. It's not because I'm lazy. It's not because I'm lazy. It's because uh, these things are so important. Tradition, tradition, doing those things that have been done before is an important step. I don't want to make it up. And there are, there, are, there are things that in every one of these circumstances I want to cover. And so I basically do the same message every time. But of course, I personalize it to uh, the message to the church that I I am at, what do I do? What do I present at these services? What do I say to every new and incoming pastor? Well, I give them the four charges that the Apostle Paul gave to his son, Timothy, in the Lord as he was taking on ministry. I give them those four charges. What are they? Number one, they are to take heed of the gospel of grace and mercy. Number two, take heed of thy people. Number three, take heed of thyself. I'm speaking in King James because that's the version Jesus used. No, it's not. <laughs> take heed of thyself. And number four, take heed of thy doctrine. And as I got to number two, take heed of thy people. I found myself getting very emotional. The scripture that I read in this charge, the scripture that I bring to these new leaders who are taking on this charge is this, 1 Timothy 5 verse 21. The Apostle Paul speaking to his son Timothy. He says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. You know that's pretty serious right there. When he's telling you, this is who, this is the, I'm charging you before the God of heaven, the elect angels, Jesus Christ. I mean, this is, this is a big deal. So I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things. What things is he talking about? He's talking about a list. If you go and read Timothy, they'll talk about a list. A list about what? A list about how you look after people. Widows, elders, slaves. He's talking about, the, the, this is, this is, these are the things he's talking about. That you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Without prejudice, doing nothing without partiality. What is prejudice? Prejudice is when you exclude people in a way that's not biblical or loving because of some personal preference. Impartiality is when you include people in a way that is not biblical or right because of personal favor or liking. And so I was getting emotional in this. Why? Because it was dawning on me as I was speaking 
these things, as I was giving this charge to this young couple taking on and entering into a new phase of ministry, that in these days that we are living in of mandates, vaccine certificates, and traffic lights, that really are dividing our society into two classes of people. It dawned on me that this charge has maybe never been more relevant than today. And the weight of that, because, you know, any other meeting I go to, any other, I, I just, it's just one of the charges. But in the days we are living in today, it has a much greater, more significant weight to it. And the weight of that and what it means for these young pastors entering into a new leadership role, I found very emotional because these are not easy days to lead in. It is not business as usual. And so my prayer was for them as it is for us that they would navigate the days ahead carefully and prayerfully and with great wisdom. How many can say amen to that? Because I'm aware and I'm not... Uh, um, you know, I, I'm aware of what's going on in, in society and in some of your lives here as a church, the, the mandates that have come forth and are now affecting many people, people in this church. I've talked and heard directly from people. I've talked directly to, to, to obviously firefighters who are affected by this and their families are affected by this. Talked last week to a prison worker. Talked to a midwife who is now resigning her, her job and, and saying that many of her people in that field that she, she knows are resigning also. I know a link to, to someone here to an ICU nurse, nurse and, and another part of the nation who, who will be resigning. Forced to teachers. Teachers, I've talked directly with teachers who are who are being forced to leave their job. I, I, I know even last week of an early childhood facility up in the Bay of Plenty that is closing down because they are unable to operate with the upcoming system that is there. The whole facility is closing. So without going into detail, and believe me, I could, in a nutshell, the current level system that is in play right now, and it's important that you understand it. Please don't get mad at me. I'm just sharing what, I, what I'm going through so you can, you can understand what I'm thinking about. The current, current level system that is in play, we are all equal. We are all equal. What happens to you happens to me. What happens to them happens to us. If a whole city's in lockdown, everybody's in lockdown. I don't have a problem with that. That's what's in play. With a team of five million, be kind. However, the traffic light system that I'm having to navigate and think around in the next few days, it will create two classes of people. Our Prime Minister in an interview has clearly acknowledged that's what it will do. The reporter asked her this question. You probably don't see it like this, he said. You probably don't see it creating two classes of people to which she replied, yep, that's what it is. I watched that shocked. As a faith leader, what do I do with that? What do I do with that? As a faith leader, what do I do with that? I had said in a message a few weeks ago, you will remember, you were here. One of the things that greatly perplexes me, I said, I'm going back, I'm repeating exactly what I said. One of the things that greatly perplexes me in this current environment 
is intentionally or unintentionally, the progression is seeming to be moving towards pitting vaccinated and unvaccinated human beings, mums and dads, children and parents, brothers and sisters against each other. It's already happening, I'm telling you right now. And I said in that message, I said, for me as a faith leader, I find it deeply troubling. And that however well-meaning we are, we are in danger of creating an environment where a segment of our society could become or is becoming a modern day leper. To be avoided, banned, shunned, cast out, an outcast, deemed untouchable. Dividing our nation into worthy and unworthy. This should not be, I said. This should not be. And I said, I pray that I'm wrong, but alas, here we are. Here we are. A few weeks later, in a society where the divide is daily deepening and becoming increasingly hostile on both sides of the debate, and God forbid that it should become violent. Hearing the Prime Minister affirm that there's, that there's about to be two classes of people, for me as a faith leader, as a pastor of a local church, who will soon be affected by the government's new traffic light and vac vaccine certificate system, I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling with what to do. How do we respond? How do I respond? How do I respond to that? Because I'm troubled by it. What do I mean by that? Well, it presents not just practical problems to me, but ethical, moral, theological problems that I now must wrestle with. When it comes to how we do church, these problems I must wrestle with as I think, how are we going to do church in the days, days ahead? William still said this, no man ought to be in the pulpit who fears man more than God. And I know as a pastor, I'm not in a popularity contest. It's not about what everybody thinks or about what everybody thinks this or what. I, you know what concerns me is not, not just what's important to me, but what, well, what is important to him. And what does he think in the midst of this? What does God think? And can I tell you, it's not simple. But all said and done, when we get to the end of this, I want to be on the right side of history. I want to be on the right side of history when it comes to this. I do not want to look back going, why didn't I? I should have done this. I could have done that. You see, biblically, when Paul charged Timothy with that charge, when he said to Timothy, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that observe that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. I want you to understand here today that this is not some random, obscure thought or principle. This is all throughout Scripture. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all, not some. Come to me, all, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come one, come all. This is his house. This is the place that we've set aside for the ecclesia, the called out ones, to come and to gather and to worship under heaven and to give him all glory, honor, and praise for that is what he deserves. Can we give him some glory and some honor and some praise? This is his, his house. It is for all. 
not some. Ephesians chapter 2, where it tells us Jew and Gentile are one in Christ. It tells us in Ephesians 2 verse 14, for he himself, he is our peace. He is our peace. Speaking of Christ, he is our peace. Who has made the two groups one? And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He, he, he's destroyed it. You know, if you know anything about biblical uh, times, you would understand the differences between, between the Jew and the Greek, the, the Gentile, and how they were separated and how they treated one another. In another version, I don't know what, sorry, I don't know what version it is. I forgot to write it down, but I think it's a New Living Translation. That same passage says this, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, into one people. In his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. That separated us. Peter in Acts chapter 10. I'm sorry I'm giving you lots of scripture, but I shouldn't really apologize for that in the church, should I? Anyway. <laughs> That's a lot of scripture, yes. It's the Bible, we're in church. <laughs> Peter in Acts. Chapter 10. I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but if you read the chapter, it's where Peter gets a vision. He gets a vision of food coming down from heaven, clean and unclean food, things that Jews considered clean, things that Jews' food considered unclean. He, he thought, Lord, what are you saying about this? But it was a vision. It was a call to what? It was a vision, a vision to take the gospel to the Gentiles. A call was coming to him. At the end of that vision, a knock came on the door, and some Gentiles were there asking Paul to come to the Roman centurion's house of Cornelius. And Paul went to that house in obedience to the Holy Ghost, in obedience to the vision that he said. And when he got there and he began to speak and he saw lives were being changed and the same Holy Ghost that fell on him is falling on them. And when he saw the effects of the same gospel that's happening to them, happens to them. He said this in Acts chapter 10. And this is an example of the dividing wall being removed. He said this, and then Peter began to speak he said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. In the King James Version, it says this, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of person. If you've ever said that, hey, God's no respect, that's where it comes from. It's in the Bible. In the New King James Version, it says this, that same verse. Then Peter opened his mouth, as he had a habit of doing. Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. In the book of James, the writer of the book calls partiality a sin. It is a sin. I don't know about you, but I don't want to sin. If I can help it, come on, somebody. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't. Anybody else? Okay, don't put your hand out. I don't want to see. But I don't want to sin. But here's what it says in James chapter two, one through nine. It says, "My brothers and sisters, 
believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to that man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not been to churches like this? Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? In verse 8, he goes on to say, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. And then it says, But if you show favoritism, another version says partiality, another version says prejudice. But if you show favoritism, partiality, prejudice, you sin. Another version says you commit sin. Another version says you've committed sin. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 through 28, Paul says, For all of you, all of you, not some of you, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. For me, the principle is clear. I could add endless comparisons in this, into the scripture. Black, white, rich, poor. Vaccinated, unvaccinated. Circumcised, uncircumcised. You are all one. We. We sung it there. First song, Shem. First words. We are all one. In Christ Jesus. As you read the book of Galatians, and I encourage you to do that, go home this afternoon, read it. Because the whole book sort of works around this, this theme, and I found... The context around this passage is so helpful. It's two groups of people. Two groups of people. You've got, you've got the circumcision group. Get nervous saying it. <laughs> We're going to laugh during this message, okay, somewhere. So you've got the circumcision group and you've got the uncircumcised group. The circumcised group, of course, is Jewish believers. Remember, pretty much every Jew is circumcised on the eighth day. They're circumcised. They're the circumcised group. And the circumcised group of Jewish believers were really telling the uncircumcised Gentiles, you need to be circumcised to be saved, to get in. Now, if you don't know what circumcision is, Google it. <laughs> On second thoughts, don't Google it. Just got to... <laughs> Don't Google it. Whatever you do, don't Google that. Ask somebody older than you. But of course, I must take this opportunity to tell the joke I tell every couple of years whenever I mention the word circumcision. Because the good one's my only chance. And so here I go. This is not the central point of the message. But as a cartoon I saw many years ago, and I always remember it, I can never get it out of my mind. It's just one of those things. And every time that comes up, that joke comes up. And it was a picture of Abraham in the desert receiving the word of the Lord. And then he's replying back to God after receiving the word of the Lord. And he's looking up to heaven and he says, Lord, so let me get this right. 
You're saying the Arabs get their oil and we get to cut off the end of our what? <laughs> Whenever I mention another two years, I'll bring that same joke up. And, Here it is. He's going to say when the Arabs. <laughs> but they, the uncircumcised, were being excluded and set apart. By the circumcised, they were saying you can't be saved unless you're circumcised. And let's, let's face it, the circumcised group considered themselves a cut above. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> We've got to laugh through this, right? It was creating a division that Christ had already removed. The Apostle Paul in Galatians tells believers, because look here, Here's the thing, here's the thing. The Apostle Paul goes on to tell, tell believers. Those who are saying that. He's saying to those, those, those people who were thinking this, he, he, he says in the book of Galatians that he even had to rebuke, he even had to rebuke the Apostle Peter about this. To his face. He said, I, I had to call him out in Galatians chapter 2, verse, verse 11 through 13. It says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends, when some other people started to criticize him, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. In the NIV, it says he began to draw back and separate himself. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And see, the new traffic light system... In this new traffic light system that's coming, please understand this is what is being required. This is what is being asked for they're wanting churches to check VAX certificates at the church door. And I'm just thinking, thank God didn't have to, thank God, <laughs> oh Lord. I'm just thinking, thank God, Paul didn't let them implement that system back then. I don't know how they would check circumcision at the door. So I come in. Good to go, buddy. Good to go. You can go uh, off to the left. Oh, that's a surprise. Oh, off to the right. I, I, I <laughs> it would have been very awkward for our ushers. How do you train for that? How do you train? I'm just glad that was not. Any men here who are glad that was not implemented? Back there, can I get a good amen? Hallelujah. Ouch. See, for me, the traffic light system creates a division, and I struggle with that because I think it's morally wrong. And I need to say this, the unvaccinated are not lepers. The unvaccinated are not lepers to be avoided. To be unvaccinated, listen, does not mean infected. To be vaccinated does not mean uninfected. A vaccinated and unvaccinated person who have tested negative for COVID are two healthy people who can hang around together. Unvaccinated people are not sick people. But in a few weeks, that is what we are being asked to do. 
And so we have difficult decisions to make. And this is the wrestle that I have. For there is a clear and gaping disparity between... Because here the thing, it's not like there's, there, it's an equal opportunity thing. There, there is a clear and very clear discrimination and disparity between the two. Between what the two groups can do. And remember, I'm not anti-vax, I'm vaccinated, whatever. You want to get it, get it. Don't want to get it, don't get it. That's what I think. I mean, you make your choice. You, 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 you do that. But in the traffic light system... And the green and orange vaccinated can meet in any number, any number at all, no limit for church or any other area of life. Do what you want, when you want. And I just want to say, if we go to red and the traffic lights, we'll probably close. If we get one case of COVID in this church, we will close. We get, I mean, we will be responsible. I'm not talking about being foolish here. Even if we're in orange, we get one case in here, we will close. And we will go online. We will do that. We want to be responsible in that way. But for the unvaccinated, the government has said for a church, they can only gather in green 100 people total. The moment, that's not how it is at the moment. It's 100 plus clergy. You just happen to have 3,000 clergy. No, it's just, uh, just joking. Just joking. Just joking. Hands behind my back. I'm in trouble. <laughs> now we're very strict. We're, we're, we're strict and we have adjusted numbers even just to try and, try and do that. But in orange and green, it'll be 100, 100 total. In orange, it'll be 50 total. I'll tell you when too. Don't you like his new haircut? I like that. I, I, was, I was looking at it before. I think that suits you. And I was looking at it before. I was going, who is that? I was going, I don't even know. Who, oh, it's like it's AJ. It's AJ. Come on, give it up for AJ. He's a smooth operator. A good thinker. Good thinker. That guy's a good thinker. He's a good thinker. He thinks things through deeply. Probably going to think through this deeply. <laughs> but in orange, it's a total of 50. And that's 50, so remember that. Probably means we're only going to end up with about 30 people in the room. And I think we'll probably be in orange a lot of the time once as, as it comes. That's the numbers. 30, so, so I'll probably end up with just 30 people. That's the dilemma I'm, I, I'm facing. And of course, there's others who are vaccinated can go anywhere. Those who are not, can only go to the shops, to the pharmacy, and get petrol to go to the shops and the pharmacy. I must have said they will get the basic essentials of life. Thank you. I think that's morally wrong. Now, of course, the scriptures I have read out to you today and the scriptures I have proclaimed, and I could give you many more, were not written in the midst of a global pandemic. I get that. The reality is, they make it clear that no group or class of people is more or less distant from God's grace in Christ. It is a matter of the integrity of the faith that a welcome be extended to all. When this first came out, I started to think of church signs all over the nation that say all are welcome. It's like, I don't want to get the sign writer in. Cross out the all. I don't want to do that. All are welcome. Why? Because Jesus said, Come all. And how can I say what Jesus will not? How can I do what Jesus will not? That's what I'm wrestling with, people. And I get it. I want to be respectful to the government. I, I, I do. I want to be respectful. I understand Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Every 
One must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. I understand about that. And then next week we will continue this conversation. We'll continue this, this talk. We'll talk about that. But as we close today, let me say this. See, I've lived in a country where people are regarded and even called untouchable. I've lived in a country where, where that's how life is, where lepers are shunned and the unclean ignored. I remember one time I was in Mumbai where we lived for many, many years in India. I remember I was new to that city and I remember, and I can't remember, I think it was a woman, I can't remember, but I remember a leper, an actual leper who, they, they still exist, people. An actual leper grabbed me on a Mumbai street. And obviously she was asking for money and she was hoping maybe I would pull away and maybe the shock of that and out of that, oh, just get away from me, I'd give because that's what others would, would do. What I found when she grabbed me, I didn't want to let go because immediately the picture, this is a leper. And immediately, immediately in my mind, all I, could, all, all I could think, I didn't think of a scripture, all I could think is Jesus did not reject lepers. So you can hold on for all you like. But for me at that moment, I remembered Christ. How could I pull away when Christ never would? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I watched the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Anybody else watch it? It's a good movie. Okay, I'm a pastor. Yeah, but I liked it anyway. <laughs> I watched the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, and of course, that's around the story of the, the rock band because it's a part of my, my life. I remember exactly where I was I was at the Marcy's house sitting on a drum set when I first heard we are the champions and we will, we will rock you. I remember that. That was like, that is amazing. And so it's probably the third time I've watched that film, by the way, if I have to be honest and confess uh, here today. But as I watched it, as I watched it, it's really about the life of Freddie Mercury and the story of Freddie Mercury and all that he's gone, gone through. And if you remember towards the end of the movie, the story of his life, he contracted HIV, AIDS. And that became a part of his story. In my mind, as I saw that immediately in the days that we are living and went to reflect that I lived through that, those days, I remember, as many of you will, what that was like at that time. I was reminded in history what it felt like. People were so afraid of HIV, the stigma of it, the things that surrounded it. But one photo changed people's perception. And that was of Princess Diana sitting and holding the hand. You can Google it, it comes up immediately. That photo was so famous. Sitting and holding the hand of someone with HIV. And just a reminder again, vaccinated people are not sick people. But she was holding the hand of someone with HIV. And that moment changed the world. The stigma was gone. The fear was gone. And the world breathed a sigh of relief. And I need to say this today, to remove the stigma that is being created.
by the language of this crazy day. Let me say, vaccinated or unvaccinated, I will sit with you and I will hold your hand and I will hug you and I will do whatever it takes to see this thinking gone. And see, as I wrestle with the potential ramifications of this traffic light system, all I can think about, the only picture I can see day in, day out, in this day of mandates and certificates, is that if Jesus was standing at the door of Connect Church, who would he turn away? Who would he turn away? Would you stand? Put your hands out that I might bless you today, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. And I might bless you today in the name of the Lord of heaven and earth. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom, peace. Vaccinated and unvaccinated said, Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus some honor, glory.